Welcome to episode 42 of Brews Less Traveled, the podcast exploring the best uncharted craft beer cities across the U.S. I'm Brian. I'm, I'm the host. This, this is a podcast intro. I swear I'll get better at this. This week we uh, had a fun episode. My co-host Laura and I drank some, you know, not so common dark styles, an American dark wheat ale and a Scottish export ale. Both of those beers were from our featured brewery, Thunderhead Brewing Company, out of Axtell, Nebraska. We also sat down with Brian Jeffries, brewer at Thunderhead Brewing Company, you know, in addition to having the best first name a person can possibly have. Brian was also a wonderful podcast guest, told some great stories, and we had a really fun conversation with him overall. So enjoy this episode of Brews Less Traveled. Hello, welcome. Welcome. Love the music playing in the background again. I'll get the hang of this Zoom thing sometime soon here. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Bruise Less Traveled. Great to have Laura back for another episode. How's it going, Laura? It is going good, and I'm really excited about tomorrow, you guys. For those of you watching, I am getting into my shamrock season with St. Patrick's Day. Got my little hat on. And my green screen isn't allowing me to uh, not put my hands down. Otherwise, it'll just disappear. So I won't be wearing this the whole <laughs> evening. But uh, I <laughs> I am really excited about St. Patrick's Day tomorrow as we record this. And I uh, just wanted to bring a little fun to the, to the event tonight. I also brought fun. I put on a green shirt or what I think to be a green shirt because I'm colorblind. Red, green colorblind specifically. Pretty 99% sure this is a green shirt. It I'm getting like no it feedback. It's probably not a green like shirt. A, All like right. A, like a darker green? <laughs> Maybe. So, welcome back, everyone. Welcome back uh, to our loyal subscribers. Thanks for joining this stream. Yes, we have a really fun show lined up for you guys. We are going to be talking with uh, Brian Jeffries. He's the brewer at Thunderhead. Thunderhead Brewing Company comes back to us. They were with us in that pre-recorded episode two weeks ago, and uh, we're featuring some more of their beer. We have the McTowish Scottish Ale and the Cornstalker Dark Wheat. So we are going to be diving into those pretty quick here. We also have other things in the box from Thunderhead. Uh, some people got stickers. I, uh, however, did not get a sticker. I got this temporary tattoo. And if I uh, was a lot more confident, I would put this temporary tattoo on during the show tonight. It would also be a very bad audio gag. Uh, we had a lot of visual gags last week. I, I thought we could sell. I thought we sold them very well for the podcast listeners. I don't know if temporary tattoo application uh, could be sold over the audio medium. I think that could get a little tricky, just just a little bit. Um, but yeah, I got the sticker. So one of each from us, from the host and co-host for this week. I'm really excited about this sticker because I have actually started using a tip from Julie. She was hosting back in January and she said she turns her stickers into magnets. And so that's what I'm going to do with this sticker. I'm going to peel it off, put it onto a magnet strip, and then stick it onto my filing cabinet. So it's a, it's a trend that's happening throughout uh, this podcast. Stickers into magnets. Who knew? Yeah. Bring bring magnets back. <laughs> All right. Segue. Uh, I think it's time to get... <laughs> I think it's time to get into our first beer tonight. I was really not sure what to drink first, so I'm going with my gut here. I think we're going to go with this uh, Cornstalker Dark Wheat. Nice dark beer. Creamy head there. Really nice looking. 
some great aromas. Interesting. Uh, interested to hear people's thoughts at home. I'm interested to get Laura's thoughts on this beer. <laughs> I am really excited about this beer. As you guys know from a couple weeks back, I told you guys how much I love the darker beers. And this one, just pouring it with the aroma is... It's so satisfying just to smell it. I'm so excited about this. Yeah, it smells chocolatey, roasty, get that dark malt character, but uh, th that carries through through the through the flavor, and then it finishes so smooth. Mm -hmm. It goes down so nice. Definitely. Kit Kat says, wonderful aroma, creamy and toasty in the chat. I agree. Yes. Mm. Uh, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was 70 degrees today in Pittsburgh, uh, somehow, and this is... This is a running theme on this show. Would I drink this beer in this weather? And I think the answer every time is yes. I think we just start the show off with like, oh, it's really cold here. This is a great beer to drink. Um, this is really, it's really warm here today. This is also a great beer to drink when it's really warm. You wouldn't think that, I think a lot of people immediately associate dark beer with like cold, snow, ice, discomfort. This beer is gonna give me comfort, but this is nice and smooth and, and dare I say refreshing. Yeah, I was going to say it has that more of that refreshing tone versus just a traditional dark wheat. I feel like these usually like heat me up a little bit more, but yeah, it's a little bit more refreshing. And it's been warm here as well in Southern Indiana. It's been like a heat wave while I was working all day. My fiance was out on the motorcycle. I was so jealous of him. <laughs> I was about to call in and be like, hey, work, um, I'm sick. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's been beautiful here, and this is definitely a good, refreshing beer to to end the day. Yes. Uh, funny enough, Laura's husband's name, Brian. My name, Brian. I feel like we need to get one more Brian into the mix. Ah, well, <laughs> let's bring on our guests uh, to talk more about uh, this beer and Thunderhead in general. Please welcome Brian Jeffries, brewer at Thunderhead Brewing Company. What's up, guys? How's it going? How's it going, Brian? It's going well. I love the uh, the action there. Finger Shooting guns. Shooter McGavin. Guns. I go. love it. Oh, I can tell already we're going to have a really good time tonight. Uh, <laughs> as we always do, as we always do. Well, it's so great to have you here. And I think we should maybe just start off with a little description of Thunderhead and what you do there. Thunderhead Brewing is, I think, the third or the fifth oldest brewery in nebraska i can't remember which one that is top five for sure you're very short number four though yeah it's definitely not four it's three or five <laughs> i've got a thing about odd numbers and i remember this very specifically started in 1999 and they started on a one barrel system and then like after year one they moved a block away from where they started with the one barrel into a three barrel system and they were there from the year 2000 until again either 2013 or 2015 i'm not real sure <laughs> And they moved to uh, Axtell, Nebraska, because um, they were getting too big for the three barrel. I think they went to a seven barrel eventually, but they were getting too big for that space. It was a brew pub, so they were brewing right where they were serving it. And they also had food and they needed a bigger facility. So they moved to Axtell, Nebraska, where real estate prices, pretty low. Where the brewery is used to be a hay field outside of a town with a population of 700 people. Um, currently, we have 22 different beers on tap including Cornstalker Dark Wheat. Uh, fun fact about that beer, it's the first and only ever beer that Thunderhead had the art done before they had a beer to go along with it. So when the art was sent over, it was originally called a Cornstalker Strong Stout. Uh, and because on the label, there's a guy, there's like the evil farmer holding the ear of corn. 
um, they thought that they ought to add some corn into into the the recipe, and so they changed it from a strong stout to um, an approachable American wheat that has some malted corn in it. Very cool. I love learning the history about that kind of stuff. And I love the art of this can. I think it's so cool and kind of like has that old timey country bad guy vibe. Very fun. So cool. We heard a little bit about Thunderhead. And what was it that you do there? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I've been the brewer there for three years. So if you're tasting Thunderhead right now, if any of the listeners have tasted Thunderhead in the last three years, I made it. Oh, and, and he says, you're welcome, because this is some amazing beer. It is so good. <laughs> so so tell us, how did you originally get into brewing? Um, so it's kind of a long story. and It bobs and weaves around, but I'll try to lead us back to where it all makes sense. Valentine's Day 2015. It was a Saturday. I took my then girlfriend <laughs> to Omaha. Um, we were going to go out for some lunch and just have a nice day in Omaha. Uh, on the way there, she picked that we should go to the Crescent Moon which happens to be across the street from the Blackstone Hotel where the Reuben was invented. We get there and it was Omaha Beer Week. I did not know that. And at the time I was a silver bullet, blue bomber drinking fool. I was not into the craft beer. <laughs> and the, the deal of the day at the Crescent Moon was if you bought your glass, you got a free fill. And then the second fill was like half price or something. So I was like, sure. We'll go with that. And I just asked the server what she would suggest. And she said, uh, the vanilla bean blonde by infusion, who I think you guys are going to have on soon. I tasted that and I thought, holy stuff. If they can make beer taste like this, what else can they make beer taste like? <laughs> so I went home, I bought a homebrew kit. I ordered it off of um, one of the online supply stores. I got it and I started homebrewing like the next weekend. At the same time, I was a semi-professional YouTuber, and this is where the story kind of kind of weaves around. And I was making videos where I talked about the UFC, mixed martial arts, cage fighting, and I had a video series where I would sometimes pair fight cards with beers. And I paired a fight card with Shabin's Pilsner from, from Thunderhead, and the owner of Thunderhead saw that video and, and contacted me and asked me if I'd be willing to make videos for him because we lived in the same town. We met, I talked to him about making videos, and then I did make some videos for him, but I revealed to him that I was a home brewer. So at that point, when I met him, I was a year and a half into my home brewing career. And after that moment, every single brew day that I had as a home brewer, Trevor Shabin, the owner of Thunderhead, brewed with me and taught me how to brew. One day, it was like a Tuesday, he called me and he said, hey, you need to come over to my house after work. And I was working for the county. I was, a, I was a, a residential field appraiser at the time. I was the tax man, essentially. Was not a very fun job. But he called me to come over on a Tuesday night. And I said, Trevor, I can't have beers tonight. I have a, like a two-month-old son. We didn't sleep well last night. I cannot come over tonight. He said, just come over. I promise we won't have beers. I went to his house. He gave me a long list of like really crappy things. He's like, would you clean some gutters? Would you rebuild a sewage pipe? Would you mow some grass, yada, yada? And I said, yeah, sure, I would do those things. And he said, okay, if you're willing to do that, I'll also pay you to make beer. I shook his hand. I started making beer. Four months later, I was on stage at GABF shaking Charlie Papazian's hand. We just won a bronze medal for Shabin's Pilsner. And that's like a, a meteoric rise from drinking Blue Bombers to fist bumping Charlie Papazian. That's awesome. You 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 go and 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 buy take advantage of the buy a glass, get a beer, 
and wind up working at at a brewery. That's... Yeah, it's, <laughs> sorry, long story, but I, I think it's kind of epic. Yeah, it no, that's was worth it. That was that was very interesting. I think I think that's one of the most entertaining stories I've heard <laughs> here on Brewsless Traveled. I love hearing origin stories because it gives us so much insight into where brewers come from. Because it doesn't, it's not always you've been brewing for hundreds of years. Well, obviously not hundred, but you know you haven't been brewing for for 10 or 20 years, it could just be something like this where it everything just aligned perfectly. And so cool. So cool. I'm going to go and stalk you on YouTube now. I'm going to go watch these old videos also. <laughs> um, so I was making them for Vox Media at the time. Um, oh. Going by Flying Brian J. Okay. Oh, that's a, that's a wonderful, wonderful wrestling commentator name. I feel like we have to say something now that we brought up wrestle, wrestling. Rest in peace, Razor Ramon. Rest in peace, Scott Hall. Hey, yo. Um, yeah. Uh, I just love too the fact that 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 Trevor s sold you with a very realistic interpretation of like this is what professional beer making is. You want to cut grass, you want to paint a wall, you want to clean your gutters, you want to do terrible work that basically nobody enjoys doing. Okay, you're cool with that. You could be a brewer. Yeah, at any moment, um, the demand could go down, and they gotta try to keep you employed. You know, uh, you, they don't want you to leave because you don't have work for a week. So you got to be able to do some some crappy things like at the beginning of the pandemic when, um, you know, all, all in-house uh, service was shut down. It was a hard mm -hmm. time. So to step back, uh, Laura already mentioned this. Back on the first episode of the month, we drank the peat smoked porter. We uh, took some guesses, threw out some wild speculation as to how the smoke character makes it into that beer specifically. But uh, could you lift the veil and explain the process behind that? Yeah, it's not it's not that sexy. So we, <laughs> <laughs> so what we do is I, I get my phone, I call up my uh, malt supplier, and I say, <laughs> "Hey, send me a bag of peat smoke malt, please." And they're like, "Boom, done." I mill it up, put it in the mash, and away we go. It's it's not a lot of the grain bill too to get that that no, character it's in there, super right? Super small. So I think we made five hundred gallons of it, fifteen to sixteen barrels. And 10 pounds of peat smoke malt went into that beer. Oh, wow. Yeah, very, very little. But it's yeah. just enough. Smoke is something that humans can uh, sense at a very small level. And so it doesn't need much for you to be able to taste it and smell it. Yeah, for sure. I really enjoyed that beer. And uh, I miss it. And I'm <laughs> sad that I don't have more. <laughs> but I am really enjoying the corn stalker, the dark wheat. I I'm really enjoying this. It's, it's really perfectly balanced for me and something that I would really drink all the time. Um, but speaking of this beer, let's jump into our second beer of the evening. We have the McTawish Scottish ale. Um, so let's break this one open. <laughs> What's really cool about the three beers that you have is they're all kind of, they're all kind of tied together in a way. So, um, like malt bill, the the caramel and chocolate malt that's in Cornstalker, the amounts of them, they're just inverted for Scottish ale. And then the same peat smoked malt that goes in that went into the peat smoked porter is also in McTowish. So what's the what's the malt bill on I guess on both the McTowish and the Cornstalker? What what all different malts are in there? So Scottish doesn't get wheat, but the amounts yeah. of caramel and chocolate malt are just inverted. Oh, okay. Hornstalker gets 
I don't, I don't have the recipe in front of me, but if it gets two bags of chocolate malt and one bag of caramel malt, then Scottish Yale gets one bag of chocolate and two caramel. And then so and Cornstalker gets wheat and no peat smoke. Scottish gets peat smoke, no wheat. Oh, they're all just kind of sister beers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I really like this. There's a nice uh, fermentation character. What I would identify as like an estery fermentation character that's very pleasant in this beer. And I don't get a ton of the peat either. It's it's nice and in the background and, and complimentary. Yeah, this is great Scottish ale. Not a style I always reach for, but this is a great example of it. Yeah, I haven't had too many Scottish ales, and I'm I'm enjoying this. I mean, I like all the beer that we drink on this show, you guys. <laughs> I there's never a beer that I don't like, but yeah, I can tell how you said they're kind of like sister sisters to each other. So there's I can tell you a quick history story about McTowish too. I got to go way back though, if you're willing to ride with me on it. Yes, for sure. Let's, Let's do, do it. We're ride or die tonight. So Trevor Shabin is the owner of Thunderhead Brewing, and he started making mead long, long time ago when he was in the Air Force, sometime before 1999. And when he was in the Air Force, he was a part of the Society of Creative Anachronism, which is like a Renaissance fair, but you hit each other with sticks really hard and you wear really expensive um, night armor. like <laughs> So military Renaissance fair. I, I, it's, it's tough to explain. It's like, a um, you ever seen uh, role models? Yes. Okay, so on that, they hit each other with foam sticks. What, what Trevor does is they hit each other with actual sticks and they're wearing like stainless steel helmets and it actually hurts. But, you know, they're not enough to like injure you really bad. It's like Anyways, extreme LARPing. Yes. So while he was in that, he started making mead. Um, that's what got him into brewing. So he went from, from mead and then into making beer. Uh, but he met this guy whose last name was McTowish when he was in the Society of Creative Anachronism. And that guy passed away for, from cancer. Uh, he was a Scottish fella named McTowish. And so Trevor made the beer and named it after him in his honor. That's awesome. So I don't think I probably got the story wrong, but uh, that's my best try. No, hey. that's inspiring. Yeah. I love when people pay tribute to somebody that they knew or admired through their art. So that is a very cool story. Thanks for sharing that. No problem. What I have a question here. The, um, the description of McTawish on Thunderhead's website says malty and sweet with just a hint of peat. Nice rhyme. Um, this beer gets its balance from quassia wood, a traditional Scottish ale spice. Do you want to elaborate on what quassia wood is and also possibly correct me on my pronunciation? Um, so it's quasnia and oh. it hasn't been in there. It's not in the batch that you're drinking. I'm going to be honest oh. with you. I got an old I'm, description. That's on me. No, that's okay. Uh, that's, <laughs> I, I am in control of the descriptions that are on Untapped and the website, so I could maybe change that. But Sequoznia Wood is just extremely bitter. It's something that they used historically in Scottish beers before hops were the primary spice that went into beers. And during, I want to say, 2008 hop crisis, where um, there was a hop shortage and breweries that were like the size of Thunderhead were having trouble getting their bittering hops. You could use things like Quasnia wood to get the bitterness um, when you didn't have the alpha acids from hops. Very interesting. It's, it's difficult to find on the internet, um, so I haven't used it lately. So the main, what would be the main difference then between this one and then that original that had the Quasnia? What would be like the main notes or tone that you would you would notice? Not a lot. It's just okay. we're just getting bitterness from. Okay. from that but it 
I don't want to say that it was ceremonial, but mm. it's, it's it was like an part homage. Of the, yeah, it's, yeah, it's part of the historical brewing process, so they used it. It's not doing a ton for you flavor wise. <laughs> you could you could achieve the same with a couple couple sixty minute charges in the boil, and you're and you're good to go. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. So, so main things going on in there, and although that beer is, I like to use that beer as um like a. a a gateway to dark beer beer so somebody comes into the tap room they're like oh i don't really like i don't really like dark beers well check this one out and slide them a taster because it's got dark in color but it drinks sort of like a lighter beer like i said a lot of the malt flavors coming from caramel malt and then the chocolate's in there for for color mm-hmm. so yeah i can definitely see that because i noticed right away it just felt a little bit lighter and i think the carbonation level made me think it was a little bit more of a lighter beer also just in the taste and how like the mouthfeel all of that i was gonna say you can taste kind of the flip i I just sip both of them here Mm -hmm. and uh the cornstarker dark wheat it's that roast up front complemented really well by a sweetness and then it's it's the flavor is exactly flipped like you like the malt bill is flipped you said with those specialty malts and with mctawish the sweet is up front and it's complemented very nicely with a, just a little bit of roast from that chocolate malt in the back end. And it, it, yeah, it is a great, uh, gateway beer. Is that, that's, that's a cool phrase to use. It's a gateway beer for stouts. Yeah. Gateway dark, dark beer. Yeah. Yeah. It's taking some, taking somebody from the blonde ales and the amber ales that they've been digging. Let's, let's get them moved into let's You know, it's, it's between amber and stout. It's just, it's a bridge. Come to the dark side. Yeah. <laughs> beautiful over here now let's take a beer break and talk about corn a corn break if you will the corn and thunderheads corn stalker wheat ale and the awesome can artwork are an ode to nebraska's most grown crop yeah you guessed it corn nebraska is the nation's third largest corn producer growing mostly corn that is turned into ethanol or used for livestock feed. This corn is typically processed or utilized in the state of Nebraska, which increases the local impact of that crop. In 2020, corn accounted for nearly $6 billion of Nebraska's economy. Now let's get back to the show. I saw that you recently completed a science and engineering program through the American Brewers Guild. So you came into this as a a home brewer, you upped your skills, you put a couple years under your belt, professionally brewing and took the next step and went into this, you know, really, really official, legit program. What was that program like for you? Um, So I took that like a year, year and a half into working for Thunderhead. And um, Mm. my boss also took that program, the same exact program back in 1999. So I feel like day in and day out, he was teaching me the program in his own sort of way. So uh, the to me, the program was a way to uh, get common terminology and to get like a little deeper than what we had ever got on a day-to-day basis when I was learning from my boss. But it wasn't it wasn't that difficult for me because I was I was living. The, everybody else that was in the class with me like had never worked in a brewery before. Really? And, yeah. Or they were a server at a brewery, or you know, they, they had a role at a brewery that was not brewing. And I had mm-hmm. been turning the knobs and pulling the switches on brew days for over a year and a half. So it was a nice like refresher to build me up. And it was, it's awesome to have that certificate. I, I said that it was like, I graduated from Hogwarts. 
there's so brewing isn't magic it's a science but it's still pretty spectacular yeah i think a lot of times people think it's it's more art than science and in in actuality i think a lot of people realize especially home brewers realize that it's 90 percent science 10 percent art like you really gotta get that science stuff down so that yeah you it's can like 90 percent janitorial yeah percent science <laughs> I love that. And we actually had someone in the chat as well. We had Roger say, I did AVG also a couple years ago. Hmm. Great science to give you the understanding of the whys and hows of brewing. Very cool that one of our listeners has also gone through. Oh, I've got another long story about the, the Brewers Guild. While I was, sorry. Um, <laughs> no, please, please, please. <laughs> While I was uh, taking the class, I, I was, I, they gave me DVDs to look, so I did it online. And they gave me DVDs to watch and then to, to learn the material um, uh, aside from just reading the books. And I, But I turned the DVDs into podcasts so I could listen to them while I was working. And at that time, we were trying to make Headlight, which is a 30% corn-based beer. And the first time, so 30% of the malt is corn. And the first time that we okay, made it, it came out smelling very sulfury, extremely mm. sulfury. And I was like, I wonder, I wonder why that was. Uh, and I was listening to my class and they talked about free amino nitrogen, the yeast lacking <laughs> nutrients. Yeah. And I was like, oh my goodness, I just accidentally listened to how to fix this beer. And I took it to my boss and he's like, show me the proof. And I opened up the textbook and like right there, there it is. I solved the problem. I got rid of the sulfur. <laughs> that is so cool. What are the odds of that? I, I don't know. But just based on the rest of you know, my brewing history, pretty good. The odds were pretty good. I was going to find it. So you talked about that program and almost it, it's giving you this, uh, this toolbox to, to go to when like, oh, this goes wrong. I, I can kind of have this idea of, of where to look or, or where right. to, to solve the problem. But is there anything you learned from that program that you use like on a day-to-day -day basis or use more than you initially expected when you learned it? Hmm how to how to read a malt spec sheet and how to how to interpret that into the recipe sheet is something that i use mm. every time i order malt um, so that i can make sure that i'm hitting my right efficiency getting the right protein so that's something interesting i don't think a lot of our listeners would would be aware of malt spec sheets are what you get from your malt maltster or, or malt broker um and details what what could you could you explain like what it details specifically I don't have one in front of me, but it tells you like what, what's the diastatic power of the yeast, how many enzymes, or not of the yeast, of the malt, how, how many enzymes are, are in the malt, what's the protein content, so what kind of free, what kind of um, yeast nutrient you're going to be able to pull out of it, how hazy it's going to be, uh, what's the potential extract, you know, even home, home brewers, you know, you just set your brew house efficiency at 75%, so when you're, when you're figuring out a recipe sheet, you got your brew house efficiency at 75%. Um, and then you also have to put the potential extract out of each malt that you're using. It's usually around 75% too, but that's, that's really useful stuff so that you can hit your original gravity without having to adjust later on. You put it in your recipe sheet at the start of the day when, or whenever you get the malt in and, uh, and you're set up for a nice clean brew day. And it can vary from batch to batch of, of maltings. So that's super powerful information to have. Well, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about Thunder Punch. So <laughs> Thunderhead was way ahead of the seltzer craze. 
So could you tell us the backstory there? It's going to be a long one. Yeah. So in like the year 2000, Thunderhead started making um, basically citrus grape soda and then mixing it with whiskey at the tap room um, and called it Thunder Punch. And over the next 20 years, it grew a following amongst the college kids that are in Kearney. And um, but because it was a mixed drink, people could not take it to go for 20 years. Nobody could drink it anywhere other than our own tap rooms. And then at the beginning of the pandemic, because we weren't allowed to have people in-house drinking or sitting down, enjoying themselves, the governor, Pete Ricketts, said that we could sell mixed drinks to go, which meant that we could then mix that citrus grape soda with whiskey and put it in a growler and sell it to somebody to take home. And the day that Pete said that, we went from the previous day, it would take us um, a month to sell 200 gallons of this stuff. The day Pete said that we could sell it to go, we sold 200 gallons in like an hour. And we, we ran out of glass. And there, were, there was people coming. There, we had some people come from Lincoln, which is about two hours away, with pickle jars, one gallon <laughs> pickle jars, and, and filled them up with Thunder Punch to take them to go. Because also part of the thing that Pete Rick had said, as long as long as we put our sticker on it, whatever vessel they had, we could sell that to go. So, and then we got uh, we got a pallet of growlers in as soon as we could, and after that, I started making. We were making two hundred gallon batches that last this month. I started making thousand gallons a week, and and was having trouble keeping up with mixing it and mixing it, carbonating it. And then still at the tap room, they were putting soda and whiskey in growlers. And Trevor, my boss, thought that, that, that at any point, the governor could take that, the mixed drink thing to go away from us. So he wanted to look at a way so that it would be sustainable. So we looked into getting a machine that we could make seltzer and have that be the base so that we would make the alcohol. And then it would, it's technically a beer. And then we could can it and sell it to go. There was... Uh, a machine, it's the same exact machine that truly uses to make their seltzer that we oh. borrowed from the people that made the machine. They gave us like a week to use it to see if we wanted to buy it. Here's a loaner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and we ran that thing 24 seven uh, for, for the week that they let us borrow it. And we sold all of that thunder punch that we made with that thing as fast as we can make it. We bought the machine. And now um, we, so it starts out as a, a nine and a quarter percent beer. It's got, I showed a picture of hops on the way to the fermenter because legally <laughs> to be a beer, it has to have some hops in it. I might throw a dusting of hops in the kettle, but really there's the, there's a sight glass on the way to the fermenter. I'm holding the picture of hops. So it's, <laughs> and then we, it's a, we, we filter it out so that it turns from beer, like the same color as this into looks like water and it's still nine and a quarter percent and then i make the same citrus grape soda and we cut it down to 5.6 percent and before we started selling that to go honey wheat golden frow honey wheat was our number one seller since 1999 basically the day we started putting thunder punch in cans uh, golden frow took second place got, got pushed back one Got thunder punched out of first place. Yeah. Oh, and at the beginning of the pandemic, I was worried about my hours. I said that, you know, cutting grass and stuff. I was worried yeah, about getting yeah. enough hours. And because the governor said that we could sell that stuff to go, I went from being worried about making money 
to like getting overtime every week, just mixing, mixing grape soda as fast as I possibly could. That's awesome. Um, I just, I just laughing at this whole thing because one of the things, the fact that you could just put a sticker onto a pickle jar and they're like, mm-hmm. cool, that's good to sell. I'm thinking about my friends in Massachusetts where like you can't even take, if you have Brewery A's growler, you cannot get it fr- filled at any other place other than Brewery A. And in and, and, and Nebraska, they're just like, yeah, sure, have a pickle jar, throw, yes. throw, throw a sticker on it, here you <laughs> right. go. So um, for a while, it had to have the Surgeon General's uh, warning on it, and it had to have our sticker on it. And then Pete was like, eh, put in pickle jar. <laughs> Who cares about the sur- Surgeon General? So you do think the, uh, the popularity of the Thunder Punch is going to stay? Has it has it been stable moving forward? Or do you think the beer is going to take over again and seltzers will be on the back burner? Um, so tomorrow, it well, we're recording this. Tomorrow is St. Patty's Day. And basically the pandemic shut us down exactly two years ago today. And that's when, that's when this whole Thunder Punch thing started. Mm-hmm. And it's been steady. It's the, it's still the most popular i'm making i'm making that base seltzer beer the nine and a quarter percent beer as often as i make anything else it's in a tank so we've got three 60 barrel fermenters one of them always has honey wheat in it one of them always has uh, the seltzer beer in it wow it's just crazy to watch how how different breweries have adapted and in different states with different legislation and regulations and just finding a way to make it i i it's it's just it's just nuts to see how how breweries have managed to adapt and locally here thankfully we didn't see many closures as a result of covid and i think that it's definitely a testament both to the beer scenes in each local city but also to the people behind the beers and the seltzers in this case finding ways to adapt and you know meeting their customers where they are yeah i think thunder had success through that with thunder punch was was being that that was an established brand for 20 years that just people couldn't couldn't take to go. And regardless if you like the rest of his politics, the thing that, that our governor did for us was humongous. Yeah. Given given you the, the, the chance to to operate and keep people's, you know, lights on and keep their bills paid during a really, really difficult time is is good. Cool. So I have a question that we ask to pretty much every one of our guests. What is something that you wish Omaha was more well known for? For me, visiting it. Um, so, so the brewery, the, our brewery is in Axtell. I live in Kearney, which is two and a half hours away from Omaha. And I hardly ever get to go, especially since um, I've become the, the, the beer guy. My son, I had, I have two sons. One of them was born two months before I became a professional brewer. And, and the other one was born like exactly two years later. I don't get a lot of time away from my family. So I just wish that I got to visit Omaha more often, go to the beer scene. I've been to Omaha Beer Week a few times, and I think that it's incredible. I have a, a friggin' blast over there. So I don't know if I'd change anything about it other than I just want to go there more. What is something you wished Nebraska was more well-known for? Hmm. <laughs> this is not beer related, but it's on my mind. I wish that we could win some football games. <laughs> <laughs> if we could just have a winning season sometime, that would be that'd be really cool. You know, <laughs> I think that the economy in Nebraska is better when the Cornhuskers are winning football games. So, hey, Scott, let's let's get that happening, buddy. Yes, I I will attest to that. I 
to go way. Uh, let, let me tell a long story. Other yeah. Brian has been. T- t- let me tell one. Yeah. I I was a, I was I was a journalism major in college, and I actually did a probably one of the best research articles, if I do pat myself on the back, uh, that I ever did, and that was about what the financial impact of a Steelers playoff game was in a weekend in the city of Pittsburgh, and it was tens of millions of dollars that one playoff game would bring into the city on a weekend. Now, I know this is a metro area, and Steelers are huge, but, you know, Nebraska football is giant in the state of Nebraska, and uh, I can't even imagine the economic impact that that has when people are more inclined to go to the games, when they think Nebraska has a you know, shot at a championship, shot at a college playoff, or whatever. Even uh, even out here in Kearney, two and a half hours, well, two hours away from, from the games, um, when they're winning, the bars are busier yep. on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. People want to celebrate. That's what it is. They just want to celebrate. All right. So anything to plug before we get out of here, Brian? Uh, yes, you can follow us at Bruvana and... Um... <laughs> no, 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 no. The other Brian, our guest, Brian, do you have anything to plug? Where can people find Thunderhead products? Uh, first, I want to give a shout out. Um, I want to appreciate everybody that recently testified in favor of LB1235, 1236, and 1239. Currently, Nebraska beer only accounts for 2% of all Nebraska-owned breweries only account for 2% of all beer sold in Nebraska. And those three legislative bills are working toward getting better brewery distributor relationships and to allow some self-distribution for breweries. And there are some, Heck yeah. there are some, so this podcast is called the, the brews less traveled. And a lot of people from the, the breweries that are way less traveled than the ones that are in Omaha, there's one in broken bow, Nebraska Ord, Hastings. So, Cody Schmidt, Caleb Pollard, Nathan Hafe, they all testified in favor of those legislative bills. And I think that their efforts are going to help the industry in which I work and make it a more fruitful place for me to be and more beneficial for me, for Thunderhead and for a lot of small breweries in Nebraska. And I just want to take this time to thank those guys for doing that for all of us. That's all I got. Absolutely. Well, that is awesome. Anybody that steps up to speak on behalf of their fellow uh, fellow community members, especially in a way that's going to help their, their livelihood and their well-being, that they should be admired for, for taking that step. So that is awesome. Yeah, they're sticking um, their neck out there. We really yeah. appreciate it. Also, I should say, I've got some really cool beers coming out soon at Thunderhead. I've got a Hefeweizen. I might have a Dunkelweizen. Um, I got a Lavender Kolsch that just came out recently. Ooh. That was um, a homebrew recipe that I brought into thunderhead so it's like i caught my brainchild my boss would say that i wouldn't be able to make it without him which is true which is true <laughs> but it's phenomenal either way our beers are only found uh, within the walls of nebraska at most hyvees at most liquor stores if we're not at the liquor store that you frequent please ask us ask for us to be there and i appreciate you guys for having me on the show oh and and plug the tap rooms there's a tap room in carney there's a tap room in downtown i don't know if it's technically the old market area I call it the old market since it's, i'm not it's from close it. enough. It's, yeah so yeah, yeah we've got cool. tap rooms downtown carney we've got one in axtell which is basically like drinking beer in a garage but somebody else serves you the beer it's fantastic That's um <laughs> old market omaha west center road omaha and west point so we've got five in total check them out 
And uh, if you, I've seen a lot of reviews on Untapped through uh, Ruvana on the beers that you guys mentioned today. I appreciate everybody's uh, positive reviews. That's awesome. I like reading Untapped, even though sometimes somebody will say that like a dark beer doesn't taste like Budweiser, and I'm like, well, gosh, shoot, sorry, bud. Yeah. Well, shout out to all the people, uh, all of our followers, all of our listeners that have been throwing the good vibes over to Thunderhead on Untapped. Thanks again to Brian for joining us today. Thanks to Laura for co-hosting. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Cheers. Well, that was another great conversation, another great episode. If I do say so myself, uh, I started the intro by throwing out some definitely unbiased opinions, and I'm just sharing more unbiased opinions. This is the greatest podcast that has ever been recorded. Hey, uh, this is the outro. Uh, Thanks again to to Laura for co-hosting. Thanks to Brian Jeffries of Thunderhead for joining us, and thanks to Thunderhead for supplying us with great beers. You can find more from Thunderhead at thunderheadbrewing.com. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Untapped, at Bruvana. Hey, did you hear us talking about the Cornstarker Dark Wheat or McTawish Scottish Ale and think, dang, I'd like to try those beers. I'd like to try beers like that from a small local brewery. Well, if so, you should head to Bruvana.com and join the Brews Less Traveled Beer Club and get beers from great local breweries across the country shipped directly to you. We'll be back next week with another episode. But until then, stay safe, be kind, and support your local breweries.